What is Crackalacka and Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you once more without my fantabulous co-host, Adam Prommel. I am, however, pleased to be joined by Paul Garcia. He covers the Spurs for Project Spurs. He's also the host of the Spurs cast. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Garcia MBA. As you might have guessed, we're going to be talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Truly a fascinating team heading into this year, given everything that happened over the offseason and also how they're tangentially, I guess you would put it, linked to the the Ben Simmons sweepstakes in Philadelphia or soap opera in Philadelphia, whatever you're calling that these days. Our conversation was great and also highly efficient. Paul dropped like 50 points here on a perfect 14 of 14 shooting or something, 50 points on 12 shots, whatever you want to call it. So you're going to enjoy that, I am sure. Before we get started, just our usual housekeeping notes. Please, please, pretty please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. That helps us out a ton in the charts and moving forward. It also helps us, whether or not you use iTunes, if you go over to iTunes, search Hardwood Knox, throw us that five-star rating, write a review, include criticism if you must. That is totally fine. We'll take it to heart. Just throw us that five-star rating. That also helps us out a crap ton in the charts as well. Finally, if you stumbled onto us for the first time, maybe by accident or because you're a diehard Spurs fan or because you're a religious follower of Paul Garcia's content, hello, welcome. Consider throwing us that permanent subscription. We cover the entire league at large, and we are pleasantly sub-mediocre. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Hardware Knox. You can also find us on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com, search Hardware Knox. We will pop up. We are also on Instagram, at Hardwood underscore Knox. Now that the housekeeping notes are out of the way, let's get into some deep San Antonio Spurs talk with Paul Garcia. Paul, thank you so much for coming back on the Hardwood Knox podcast to talk some San Antonio Spurs with us. I keep a spreadsheet of the guests that I've had on and how many times they've been. This is your fourth appearance, and this is the third time we've done the Spurs look ahead. So thank you for returning so often to talk about San Antonio basketball with us. First and foremost, though, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I actually, I didn't realize this is time, the fourth time now. I thought it was like maybe like second or third, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad. It's always a fun conversation to have as the season approaches. The Spurs this year, I think, are still confusing, kind of like they were last year, but it does seem like what they did this offseason was cannonball more into a youth-leaning movement, which I think is something, you know, you always have the national analysts or just people removed from San Antonio who call for that. But it feels like the fans might actually be relieved that this is finally a direct, the direction that they're going in. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, with, with the team, um, you know, letting go of letting DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, Rudy Gay all, all walk away in free agency. They have shifted to that tour, that youth movement. This is something that, like you said, the fans have wanted for a long time. You hear, you know, their, their complaints during the season of, you know, let, let DeJounte take all the pick and rolls, let Kelton take, do more on offense, you know, all these different complaints. And now all of a sudden, here we go. This is it. This this team, this is the, the, the unit that Pop's giving, um, throwing out there. And there's not many veterans left on this team. And so those young guys are going to be responsible. And so now when the fans get upset, it's going to have to be with, with these young players that are developing you know, in, in their early 20s and see, you know, they're going to have to live with those mistakes and, and see as this team goes along. Is it, are they still sort of trying to straddle two timelines when you look at the McDermott contract, just having pop there and just, I mean, even the age of, you know, I don't call we can't call Jante Murray and Derek White prospects anymore. Like they're, yeah. they're on their second contract. Like these are just really good players. So are they still sort of trying to straddle two timelines a little bit? Yeah, they're kind of in, in, in both, both of those modes where, where you know, at, at best, you know, they're trying to get into that, you know, stay in that, that playoffs, that play, playing game realm, uh, you know, maybe finishing toward the, the later part of the Western Conference. But at worst, you know, if things go south, well, then all of a sudden you've got a, you got a top five lottery type team here, a top 10 lottery team, uh, if things don't go well. And yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, 
they're really just trying to see, you know, what can these young guys, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, um, Keldon Johnson, these guys all, you know, pop and turn into. Uh, and then they have some veteran presence there, you know, guys like like Doug McDermott, who they, they brought in some shooting, Brent Forbes. So just kind of um, bringing in pieces around those guys to, to really let them try to flourish and see what, what can they turn into? Are, are these going to be real players down, down the road here that maybe turn into an all-star down the road or, or not? You know, they'll get that chance this coming season. Fun Brent Forbes fact for our listeners, in case they didn't know, he led the NBA in points per shot last year so talk about some microwave offense there you sort of mentioned this already is when you look at if the spurs are rebuilding retooling playing for the future whatever it is i i don't know that they have that obvious mystery box star level you want to call them prospect or young player who is most likely on this team to make that seismic leap where maybe we don't say that's a future all-star but at least sort of gives their rebuild a direction a, a starting point a fulcrum if you will I would say with just the opportunities they're going to get this season, it's going to be DeJounte Murray or Derek White because they're both going to get those opportunities. They're going to play together, but then they're also going to get to, um, you know, really be, be in charge of the offense a lot of the times. And if it's not one of those two players, then they have um, um, Kelton Johnson, Lonnie Walker the fourth, and also Devin Vassell. I really feel like De- Devin Vassell had a really st- um, strong summer league, but then now that he's back with the San Antonio team just based on one preseason game against one, it's one game, he's got all those other guards and like perimeter players around him who get more opportunities before him. So maybe that's why I wouldn't say Devin as, as my safe answer, but again, I think DeJounte, um, Derek White, and then maybe even Keldon are those three players that maybe one of them turns into to something that, you know, uh, um, an impactful player down, down the road. From 10,000 miles out, I agree with you. I would give up some of my fingers, though, if we could see Devin Vassell just get a crack at more of that type of volume. But look, DeMar DeRozan's gone. Even having Patty Mills gone, are they just officially turning the keys over to DeJounte Murray on offense? And what do you think, you know, what do you think he needs to improve upon most in that higher profile role? And he did quietly have, for our, you know this, our listeners, he had a really good year last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, defense was still excellent, and I thought he showed progress on offense where, no, he's not this knockdown jump shooter, but he seems willing to to take them. And I trust him. He seems less predictable with the ball in his hands in the half court. I am curious to see, though, just what that looks like in a, in a higher profile role. Yeah, I think it's going to really be on him to see, you know, what does he turn into on offense, um, especially the scoring wise. Uh, we know he still has that mid-range jumper that he likes to go to. Uh, he was more aggressive. And again, it's just one preseason game. In that first preseason game, he was really good about attacking and really settling in at the third quarter. He kind of took over in that third quarter and, and he ended up with 17 points in the night, um, being, being one of the, the leading scorers for the team. And, and again, it all came uh, quickly there in the third quarter. We also know that he has that potential to basically like put up stats. He, 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 he had multiple triple doubles last year. Uh, he's really good on the defensive board uh, and, and getting in ending possessions for the defense and like you mentioned you know setting up teammates and also um just his individual defense is, is really good too so i really feel like yes let's see let's see exactly now um with the with, with basically like the offense in his hands to see you know how, how does he handle that uh with with um you know with driving with, with getting the scoring you know with DeRozan gone uh, and especially if Derek white's not doesn't have it going for a night i i automatically think this is the season we're going to get to see more of murray and Derek white play together but then I'm like, okay, well, DeRozan and Patty Mills are gone. So is there going to be even more of an effort to stagger them? Or do we finally get to see what these two might be able to do to, together? So I think that Coach Pop's first preseason game showing how he used uh, both players was really interesting. Um, so he started both of them for, for a few minutes, you know, the first six minutes like the Spurs normally do with their starters. And then all of a sudden he, t- he took out DeJounte pretty early and then he let Derek White stay with the second unit. Then when Derek White needed a break, he brought DeJounte back in. So, so we did see the initial staggering. That could be because Trey Jones is out right now. He's, he's out with them, a left ankle sprain to start the preseason. But um, again, like if he doesn't trust, Coach Pop doesn't trust Trey Jones and, you know, and they, don't, they don't really have a backup point guard, maybe they don't want to give the ball to Josh Primo just yet. Well, then I could see him continue that staggering route 
but they'll still get, you know, those first six minutes of, of, of the first quarter and third quarter together, DeJounte and Derek White. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's interesting because I look at this roster and I'm wondering, is the the lack of, I think you could say playmaking in general or just table setters, like their biggest weakness right now. And you already kind of, you know, stepped on it. This doubles as my, is, is you know, Trey Jones, when he's healthy, is, is he going to get minutes? Because he had a hell of a summer league himself. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Again, we'll see. I mean, right now he is hurt. I know that even for this, their second preseason game against Detroit, he's on the injured list. Uh, he's, he's listed as doubtful, but we will see. Because I mean, that was a, he was he kind of like threw it through a wrench in the rotations because of how well he played it at summer league. You know, if, if he's able to put up those kind of numbers and just that kind of composure at summer league, they're hoping that he can take this into the season and become that that backup point guard. Now that Patty Mills is officially gone, I know he plays a different role than Patty, but yeah, like if if Trey's not ready, though, and Coach Pop doesn't see see him ready to to have an increased load a uh, workload, then, then and I think that, yeah, we you could see more of the staggering between DeJounte and Derek White. The uh, hopping around on the outline, I sent you here because you mentioned Josh Primo already. Mm-hmm. Um, based off what we saw at the draft combine and then one preseason game I watched, did not watch the game. I watched just the Josh Primo highlights. There is so much that it seems like he can do with the ball in his hands. And so I'm wondering if, one, what intrigues you most about his game? And two, t- I guess, is he sort of the barometer for how committed they are to this youth movement? Because I think in a normal year, he really wouldn't get that much minutes with the regular club. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. I mean, just, I, I would say, honestly, like in terms of shot creativity and potential with off the dribble kind of shots, he's already like, like not, not, not in terms of like accuracy, he's not, he's not there yet, but he's going to be down the road. One of the, one of the top players on this team already who can who can make difficult shots who has that potential to really just throw in you know you know you know um crossovers into, into step back jumpers and things like that and just shooting naturally off off pick and rolls he showed that already in this first preseason game he showed some of that as well in the summer league um so yeah i think that he's kind of he's kind of throwing the coaching staff off a little bit here where, where they didn't expect him to play so well so early on especially again it's just one preseason game but just the way he played he's gonna have to make them start questioning you know do we send him down to austin which should be the normal route for a spurs rookie but then also, if this team just isn't very good, you know, where they really struggle, maybe they because because just looking at their schedule, I mean, on paper, you would you might expect them to go maybe like two and 12 at one point or four and 14 uh, really early on. If things don't go well, if that does happen, you know, why not just go into full rebuild mode and, and let Primo start getting real NBA minutes against, you know, quality opponents rather than sending him to the G League uh, route. If the team again, that's only in the case that the team isn't struggling. But but again, if he plays like this throughout the preseason where he's uh, showing some of these these um, um, impactful performances, well, then I really think think that it's going to really make the coaching staff really question, you know, do we send him to the traditional rookie route or do they start giving him some minutes now? And I was also wondering if maybe the coaching staff would be open to being, let's say more experimental, not because of the direction the Spurs are headed in, but just, you know, when you look at the half court offense without DeMar DeRozan last year, like the numbers on that are disgusting. Like they mm-hmm. were bad. And so I don't know that there's a clear cut answer. And I, I my, my initial thought was like, you know, maybe just try, you know, maybe see, what goes up, what's happening with Trey Jones or Josh, just to see if it helps at all, because you still need that. Yeah. You have Murray, you have white, but I guess unless you're sp- expecting like a, a Lonnie Walker or a Keldon Johnson or a Devin Vassell to, to, to pop or do a lot more in the, with the ball in their hands, depending on which player you're talking about, it feels like this team should be built to, to get weird or at least really indulge self-discovery, no matter what they're trying to do. 
Yeah, and I think I think they know that's going to be probably one of their weaknesses is half court offense. You know, creating when, when a defense really locks them down. So I think that's why they've shifted their focus this coming uh, coming into training camp. Is they they've been talking about uh, Coach Pop says as a player said they just really want to play fast, use their, their speed and athleticism to their advantage. So so you saw that in their pace. You know, they, they were really um, pushing the ball up the floor um, um, after every possession. And then also they're going to really rely on something that they they talked about last night is they're going to rely on their defense to really create offense for them. And they need that. They basically need to get stops and create you know havoc on the defensive end so that they get out in the open court and use a lot of these these young athletes um, out there in the open court because yes once a team gets into their half court offense I mean in their half court defense and really buckles down on San Antonio you do see where they, where they did struggle even even though the Jazz were missing multiple you know core players in this preseason game you saw that when it really got to, to, to a, a um, you know a more half court oriented game with like 14 seconds left on the shot clock San Antonio did struggle where you know they were trying to run their sets and they really weren't going anywhere and so, that, so I think again that's where you're gonna they're, they're gonna really miss DeRozan and that's why they got to continue to push the pace and try to you know avoid letting a defense get set up like how they want to it's so surreal to hear pop talking about that i know the spurs in more recent years like they've had certain lineups that really just get after it up and down the floor but they've always just been built on such like this methodical deliberate approach and it's there's just something surreal about going into the preseason hearing pop talk about like their identity needs to be like this frenetic pace it's just i don't know it feels it feels it's kind of awesome but it's just it's like an outer body experience for me looking so far outside the picture yeah, I mean, you mentioned experimental, and that's kind of what it feels like already. I mean, I don't. I, again, I can't like I've talked about this on a few podcasts where I, I just don't feel like Pop's ever been in this situation where you know the expectations aren't champion championship or bust. So you know, and then it's also where um you know he there's just really no a lot not a lot of um barometers for this team to to have to set. So you see him being more experimental, like like you said on offense, you know, wanting to to go fast. And then you even saw this in the one preseason game. He's already experimenting like crazy, where he's already like throwing in half court traps and stuff. Like I think he just likes the the fact that like there's not like a go to player on this team on offense. But then on defense, he can basically because they're, all these players are so switchy and, and you know they're all long and athletic. He can basically you know have different schemes, whether it's a zone for a possession or, or throwing in a half court trap or just different things with with their energy and just taking a little bit more risk and gambles and just seeing what you know this team turns into. I think that even for Pop, he's very excited just looking at, the, at his, his mood and his tone uh, coming into the season. That's awesome because I think there's a, when you just look at his age, there's other two ways it could go. It, this team could frustrate the hell out of him, or he could just go full mad scientist and lean into it. And so I'm just really hoping mm-hmm. it's the latter. <laughs> Yeah, so again, we'll see though if they end up like two and twelve. That could change. I went back and lo- watched a lot of Keldon Johnson towards the end of last season because I think like he was just one of the players that uh, I feel like not that I passed judgment on too soon, but you think that you know what he was, and he was people have just described like he he seemed to thrive on this chaotic energy. Towards the end of the season, it felt like there was just a little bit more finesse or change in direction to his game offensively, and I'm just wondering like what do you view as the best version of Kelvin Johnson offensively, or maybe even what type of opportunity do you think he's going to get on this specific roster construction offensively? Is there a more dynamic player long-term than we saw last season on that side of the floor? Yeah, I, I think we're going to see exactly, you know, what what can he turn into, especially in the half court, because that's where he kind of struggles. You, you know, we saw that if you if you watch tape from last year, you, you'll see that he was he was very good about being aggressive, getting to the free throw line, getting to the paint and scoring early on from like December to about February. But then by like February, teams kind of figured him out. They know that all he wants to do is score inside. So they purposely started backing away off the three point line. And then, of course, he struggled a little bit because people, you know, defenders would just leave him wide open and they congest the lane for him. So he's definitely said that he's, he's wanted to work on his shot. His stroke looks a little bit different right now in preseason. It's a little bit quicker. He, and he wasn't 
shy about taking them. He didn't make any last night in, in his first preseason game. But one thing that was interesting to watch that you see from the coaching staff is that he was getting a chance to run multiple pick and rolls where okay. if, if Keldon brings the ball down, the, he right away calls for a screen for Jakob Pertl to set a screen or Doug McDermott to set a screen for him. And so it, you got to see more um, opportunity to create now, not again, not just Derek and DeJounte, but now Keldon is, is also getting that opportunity. So again, I don't know exactly how far he's going to go in that, in that, um, you know, being, being an offensive player in the half court. But again, I think that that's, it's good to see that the coaching staff wants to see how much uh, can he develop into that type of role. I think it's, it'll definitely help him. Even if his jumper's not working that he's, he's just seemed again as the year went on more comfortable, like spinning or changing directions a little bit as he got closer mm-hmm. to the basket, even if the end result wasn't always great. But I feel like if you want him to be in that sort of pick and roll uh, capacity in the half court, like there's going to need to be some progress, whether it's, a pull-up jumper, or at least like where defenses are worried about him stepping into, even if it takes forever for him to uncork a three, or even just as a spot-up shooter, improving his percentages Mm -hmm. on those looks. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's the big one right now that I'm watching is is the spot-up shooting. You know, how how is he going to be when when he's left wide open? And and so again, we'll kind of see see what happens there. I have no idea what to make of Lonnie Walker. I just don't, like, we're three years into his career, and I'm not sure. I've seen, we've seen like the highs, we've seen the lows, we've seen the middles his career has been so uneven what is the biggest aspect of his game that he needs to work on uh to ensure that he's a part of this team long term he is extension eligible yeah i personally would be a little bit surprised if he ended up getting one which is why i'm framing the question that way yeah no you're, you're right and i think that the biggest thing that he needs to work on and i think that that's been the same case for lonnie is consistency i mean he has these 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 crazy nights where he put up 22, 25 points and just look like you know he can he can he can drive on a defense in the pick and roll. He can go you know just go coast to coast on a team. He can shoot. He can make threes um, whether it's off the dribble or spot up action. But then and and you know and some some nights you say okay what's well, maybe because DeRozan was out or some somebody was out of the rotation so he got more opportunity. But then there's games where like DeRozan was out or, or you know somebody was hurt and all of a sudden he got to start and he still only put up maybe like six points in the game. And so again it's just that consistency where he he's never been consistent. Again last night in this first preseason game he looked really good you know he took like a crossover and then just made a made a three he was driving in and kicking to teammates uh defensively he was really active uh, really get, uh, doing a great job of moving his feet and getting in front of the um, opponents but again you know is this going to carry up into the second game and then the third game and that's kind of been the question with Lonnie is that he's had these he's had these these signs before of, of being this you know this player at another level but he never consistently uh brings forth those performances and so yeah you're right I, you know with with that extension coming up on, on the 18th of october which is 13 days away from from you and i recording this uh, i i don't see san antonio um giving him that extension but again if, if he has two, two or three more um you know impactful preseason games and it looks like this is going to be a consistent lonnie walker then maybe who knows what happens i'm assuming the opportunity will be there at least early in the regular season for him because he's you know you mentioned some of the shots he's hitting like there's no other guy on the team that's comfortable hitting the types of shots. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what you would, you would love to see that out of a Murray or a Johnson, maybe white comes closest or is Josh Primos. But like the fact that we're going that deep now into it, like he is yeah. like, there's no one else on this team to me. That's comfortable yeah. hitting in theory, the, the shots that he can take and make. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, just just saying it, just saying those names, I think after Lonnie is probably Primo, who's most natural to, to be able to kind of He's cross like over and old. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it's, so yeah, Solani has that potential, but again, we'll kind of see, um, you know, you know, how, how much um he, 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 he's able to keep that consistent. And I think that one thing you saw with him as well is, you know, when, when he came on off the bench, um, he's, you know, pop like sees him in that six man type of role. Um, he, he started doing that last year is that he, um he, he's actually getting a lot of opportunity as well. It was really cool to see at the end of the first quarter, you know, with, with 20, with like 20 seconds um timing down, they let, they let Lonnie run the final pick and roll of a possession. And so he, he ran something with Jakob. And so again, he's going to get those opportunities just like Kelton, just like Murray and just like white where we're going to see, you know, what, what kind of player can you turn into, uh, especially when, you know, no DeRozan there anymore to, to be in the way. 
Devin Vassell, every team has a player that I would follow to hell and back. And I think Devin Vassell is mine for the Spurs. It could be DeJounte Murray. I'm not, it's a toss up between those two. He's going to be really good. I know his three ball mm-hmm. dropped off like towards the tail end of last year. He's got just as a three and D guy, he's going to be spectacular. Is that what he is? Or do you see more elements to his game that, that he could be this more you know expansive player? I think we're going to see more elements to his game. And we saw that, um, you know, it's going to be slowly, but but there's going to be more and more that comes with Devin Vassell in, in the years to come. And we saw that initially at, at Summer League on this past off this past summer where they they wanted him to purposely run more pick and roll, run more, more you know, one-on-one sets and just see what, you know, uh, the, the, the assistant coach at the time, Mitch Johnson, basically said, you know, how he performs in Summer League is, uh, is going to dictate, you know, what kind of role he gets here with the San Antonio team uh, down the line. And so he was really um, impressive in Summer League, um, you know, you know where, where he was running a lot of pick and roll when defenses would go under on him on screens he was getting to his spot there in the mid-range uh and that, that was a pretty good shot for him he he saw that they, they learned how to they, they learned how to switch it on him they, they learned how to switch over the screens they learned how to um to trap him at times and he and he did struggle with that but then he said he wanted to be in those opportunities to learn um you know exactly how to adjust to the defense uh and then uh, like, like i said earlier you know going into um this this preseason game he didn't get that opportunity with all those different ball handlers on the floor but then all of a sudden the third quarter comes and he just has a, a really um impactful quarter uh where, where he finally got to run pick and roll and, and he got you know he got a screen and he actually took it down for a dunk uh he, he had a mid-range jumper he had a three go down so so he had a pretty good uh, game as well and of course defensively he, it's always going to be there for him he's really good at anticipation he's got long arms I, I remember zach Lowe recently wrote a piece last week on, on devin and he just talked about how devin basically like like was able to, to hold on um, a trey young for a possession pr- pretty well that not a lot of defenders are able to do at the nba level so i think defensively it's always going to be there for him it's going to see now we're going to see now how much can he expand on offense uh, if he winds up running multiple pick and rolls per game, I'm going to do like, I'm, I'm going to riot in celebration because that would be, I would just love to see it. I think he's going to get the chance. Yeah. What is, so how are they going to use Thaddeus Young on this team? Like, is he going to primarily play backup five? Will he play a bunch with Jakob Pertl? Um, I think he was, first of all, that deal for DeMar DeRozan, they absolutely, <laughs> they killed it. Uh, and so he's definitely someone who could help this team. I'm just curious as to what, um, how they're actually going to, to deploy him. Yeah, so here in San Antonio, we're still watching that date, October 18th, because that's the day that um, the Spurs, 13 days now, um, the Spurs need to need to trim their roster down. They have 17 guaranteed players, and two players need to get waived or traded by then. So, so Thaddeus Young is one of the players we're keeping an eye on, whether he gets traded. Uh, you know, we don't think he'll get waived just because of the value he brings to the team. And then also Alfred Camino is another player. So, so in terms of Thaddeus, like it was interesting already, first preseason game. He had zero minutes. Him, uh, he and Amino didn't play at all. Pop didn't use them. Now, if he stays on the team past the 18th of October, I do think that he will have a role here because San Antonio needs to keep his trade value high, so they they have to keep playing him. Uh, and so, you know, he could either um, fit in off the bench, I think, at the four or the, or the backup five. But you know, you have Drew Eubanks playing well there. You have Jock Landale, that new center that they brought in, playing playing well there as well. Uh, and then even at the four, actually, Devin got those minutes at the four last night. I think Pop yeah. wants to continue. Yeah, Devin got the four, the backup four minutes. So so really, Pop wants to continue a lot of a lot of wings um, out there so i don't know you know where he's going to fit in on the roster but i think that for sure he's going to have to play if he stays past the 18th of october because they need to keep his trade value high and, and i know that they want to try to you know try to get some assets for him you know considering he's a he, he and amino are the two you know veterans who don't really fit on this team right now do you think there's a chance that they wave amino before the start of the season yeah with amino i think there's a chance uh maybe they look like a for like a buyout so you know he's got 10 million coming back or he's got 10 million that he's owed so i maybe like maybe like an eight, eight million dollar buyout um, something like that. That way he can maybe make it up with the vet with the t- team on a veteran minimum. So I think Amino, there's a very high chance he gets a, a buyout. There's a few teams I already looked at that have trade exceptions that could absorb Amino or Young. But again, it's really tough to see, you know, who's going to get moved. But there has to be a move here within the next um, 13 days. 
and I, I look at their front court rotation, specifically the four or five, and maybe some of this is organically solved because Zach Collins, we don't even know when he's going to play. It sounds like um, if they decide to wave Aminu, they could find a trade for Thad. But you look at, you're talking about those three guys. There's Kelvin Johnson. You mentioned Devin Vassell has spent some time at the four. Mm-hmm. I would imagine you at least want to like, maybe they're interchangeable, but like Doug McDermott should probably factor into mm-hmm. there a little bit. And so I'm just curious as to how you see sort of the, the four or five rotations shaking out for San Antonio once this season starts. Okay. So, yeah, so I had, you know, co- coming into the season, I had, you know, I, I had McDermott probably starting and then uh, um, Lucas Simonich, who doesn't get a lot of minutes playing, playing the backup four or Thaddeus Young, if, if Young's still on the team, but basically looking at what coach Bob did in his first preseason game, he had, he had um, McDermott starting at the four. And then now that he wants to keep, keep it more wing oriented on the, on the, on the um, front court, he actually had Devin at the four. So that, that throws off the minutes for everybody. Uh, Lucas kind of got buried even further now down in wow. the yeah, uh, Kade's job was playing before Lucas Samanich, and so at one point wow. I was like, I was watching the game, and when Pop wasn't bringing in Luca, I was like, is, is you know, is Luca part of this? Maybe there's a trade with Thaddeus Young and Amino going somewhere. Maybe Luca's like that young trade chip to, to throw in for a team. But then you know he eventually got some time. But I just feel like Luca has never had a chance, and he's just kind of been in Austin these last two years. And and again, looking at the rotation from the first preseason game, it doesn't look like he's in the rotation again to start. But um, that's kind of my thoughts on on where I see the four going. So how do you so what's the starting lineup? Do you think actually going to wind up looking like then? I think the one that we saw uh, yesterday, where it's going to be Derek okay. Dejounte, um, Keldon, uh, Doug McDermott, and Jakob Pertle. Okay, uh, so it sounds like you don't expect that he's going to be on this team by the end of the season. No, no, I, I do not. And just listening to um, his comments and also Aminos, they're basically giving those, you know, veteran quotes of like, you know, as long as we're for the time that we're here kind of stuff, uh, you know, we're going to be professional. We're going to be, you know, mentors. They're giving those kind of quotes in interviews. So it almost sounds like, like their answers, like they're, they know they're not going to probably be here long-term for the end, up until the end of the season. This is, I don't even need to ask you then who's the player most likely to get traded because it's him. This was low-hanging fruit. That does feel like something, I know you mentioned maybe before the start of the season, would it almost be surprising if they found a deal before then? It feels like he might be one of the guys that just moves December 15th. I think it is when like mm-hmm. every team can is just going to more players on their roster can be dealt. Right now it just gets a little bit tough for, for some of the teams to do anything given how many players are ineligible to be moved. Yeah, no, no, like you're right. So, you know, it, it could, I could very well see him going past October 18th up until maybe that December 15th deadline where, where they have, you know, more, more, more teams to trade with. Because right now, like I said, there's only a few teams that have a, 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 um, a trade exception large, large enough to absorb um, Thaddeus Young. And I don't even know if those teams would, would want Thaddeus Young. And, and again, it's, it's, it's only a certain amount of teams because they have to be more select those contenders or those, those playoff level teams. So there's not a lot, of, a lot of teams to work with right now. But yeah, I, I don't, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's still on the team past the 18th of October, but, but it, would, it would very much surprise me if he's still here by february 10th which is the trade deadline i did not for some reason send you anything about this when i was sending you an outline so you can feel free to punt on it but do you actually view san antonio as a dark horse ben simmons suitor and do you even like the idea of ben simmons in, in san antonio yeah, no, no, I, I do. You know, every time, every time that there's a rumor about the Spurs, you know, you know, inquiring about him, I always, we always report on it um, over on our website and also on, on our podcast, uh, the Spurs cast. And so, yeah, I, I really think that, yes, uh, you know, San Antonio is going to continue to stay engaged, I think, with Philly um, because, you know, for, for them, you know, Simmons, I think, would be a, a good option for San Antonio because, again, Murray, White, you know, Devin Vassell, these players, they, they could have that potential down the road. But we don't know for sure. Whereas Ben Simmons, you're getting an all NBA level player. You're getting an, an all star right now. And then you get him in San Antonio and then you start building a team around him, especially, you know, coming into the next season as being one of the one of the few teams that actually has a 
a, a good amount of cap space. So you can kind of restructure your roster to fit around Ben Simmons and kind of work with, um, you know, his strengths and weaknesses. So I really feel like, yes, as long as the, the price, you know, whatever the trade package comes down from what Philly would, would accept right now, I think that yes, San Antonio is going to continue to call and kind of st- stay stay um, engaged in, in those conversations until you know he eventually gets moved. Because I really feel like yes, if if the, if, it, if he's there for the right trade package that San Antonio is comfortable with, I think that yes, they would make that move uh, and, and to, to 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 bring in Brent, Ben Simmons. And I think he has, regardless of what people think of Ben Simmons now, he has the better chance of being a north star for your rebuild than either a Murray or a Derek White mm-hmm. or a Johnson or Vassell at this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Again, just because we know what he is, you know, you know what he is already as, as a player, you know, the level he can get to. And then and then I think that from there you can you can really kind of do it. What he's been saying, you know, through through his through, through his um, you know, in these reports is that you know he wants a team built around him. And I think that the Spurs would be able to do that where they can start, you know, moving maybe some of these young players to get to get in, whether it's shooting around him or you know, whatever different players that they feel would best work with Simmons. And again, now now all of a sudden you have your 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 all-star, your all NBA level player for the next four years if you're San Antonio. There and they could offer a bunch of different packages. What's interesting about there is they could be one of the teams where you need that third or fourth team if Philly's really just dead set on getting a star back for Ben Simmons. But like they can offer to me the best of both worlds. When you look at having a Murray and a White to include, then mm-hmm. someone like a Devin Vassell who can already play now, but is a prospect, and then picks, they can offer the best of both worlds. No, they can't offer you an incumbent star. But if you're going to accept like the tier less, or if you're going to settle at any point if you're Philly, yeah. I think San Antonio's package probably in, intrigues me most. Unless yeah. maybe if Sacramento puts like Tyrese Halliburton on the table, which it doesn't sound like they're going to do. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a perfect word you just said there, settle. I think that if Philly ever gets to the point where they're willing to settle um, on what they're asking for Simmons, I think that San Antonio is one of those perfect trade partners for them. Where yeah, of the young players, they have, they have some picks to, to send as well. And, and it would just be, again, on Philly bringing their trade package, what they're asking for down. This question is always somewhat matchup dependent. But what do you think should be their go-to crunch time lineup this season? Oh, okay. That's an interesting question. I think, uh, let me just think here. So I, I would say Murray, um, Derek White, uh, Lonnie. Um, let's see here. Maybe maybe McDermott, so, someone at the four, maybe McDermott or Vassell. And then um, for a big, uh, I don't know if I want to necessarily go with Jakob, but, but you know, if Thaddeus Young's on the team, maybe him or or, um, or, or maybe Jakob. Just again, I, I would want um, over, you know, I, I know I didn't include Kelton in there just because when it comes to crunch time, you want shooting in there, shooting that you trust more so. And I, I know Murray's not a knockdown shooter, but at least you trust his playmaking a little bit more. Whereas when, when Kelton got stuck in those crunch time situations last year, he, he really struggled. And that's re- that, that was, he wasn't in a lot of those rotations. And so I think that those, those players can all kind of shoot and they can kind of play make for themselves and, and for others. You going through all those names just made me realize how many options that they just have yeah. to to sort of futz and fiddle with and their lineup. And it's also makes me curious as to, um, you know, you mentioned Jock Landale and then you have Drew Eubanks plus Pirtle. I kind of thought this team might be built to go a little bit smaller at points where Thaddeus Young would play a lot of five if he's still there, or even if you get rid of him, maybe you just go nuclear and try some smaller lineups there. But do you think that they're that interested in, obviously we know what Jakob Pirtle can do as a rim protection. Mm-hmm. They also still, look, Zach Collins is on this roster too. Um, so do you think that they are a team that could play smaller for stretches or is that their center rotation? They're going to play more true bigs for most of the time. No, no, they're going to stick to, I think just, just um, two, two traditional centers. I think it's always going to be Jakob starting. And then there's going to be that battle between Eubanks and, and Landale. Last year, there was that battle between Eubanks and, and Gorgie Jank when now it's, it's Landale and, and Eubanks and, and, and Zach Collins will throw throw a wrench in here in this situation because coach pop just said recently that they're expecting him back after Christmas time, that he, he could oh, wow. be returning to the floor by like January. So, so yeah, so, so they'll get a few months with Zach Collins as well to compete there for some minutes. But yeah, I think that based on the rotations, they're going to try to keep it more so to the, just keeping one five and a lot of more wing and guard players at the from the other four positions 
you're Greg Popovich in this scenario, and you're tasked with throwing out a quirky, unconventional, weirdo lineup that you have no idea how it's going to fare, but we just need to see it to find out what will happen. Which five guys are you rolling with? Oh, I'm going to go all wings. Like it just like a lot of wings. So I would go with like um, uh, DeJounte, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know who that, who, who that other one, maybe, maybe even starting, maybe even starting Josh Primo in that lineup just to be, just to have a little bit more fun. Oh, Keldon, I forgot Keldon. So yeah, so basically, basically putting like, like Vassell at the five and then it fours like Keldon. Then yeah, you got Lonnie and then you got, you still got Murray and it's just a bunch of wings, a lot of speed. You know, they have some shooting in that lineup and just kind of saying, go out, pace the, the, the teams. And that's something I've tried to, I've tried to do before on an NBA 2K with those kind of lineups. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was for them was along the similar lines. I need to see Murray white primo Vassell and Kelvin Johnson. Just give me those five and see mm. what would happen. I'm with you though. Like they're built to have like, just play all wings just for a yeah, few, just, just for a few possessions each game. Mm-hmm. I need to see it. Yeah. So that, that, would, be, that would be intense. <laughs> Their current win total over under as we record this is set at 29.5. There are curveballs that can go into that. Obviously it seems like what's baked in is they could pivot really into a rebuild and trade not only Thaddeus young, but they look at trading someone else. Would you, what's your feeling on the over under there and where do you sort of see them stacking up in the larger picture of the Western conference? Okay. So I have, uh, unfortunately I have two answers here. Cause like I have pre watching the preseason. Then I have now post watching the preseason game, at least one game. <laughs> so um, you know, on paper, I, I, I kind of went through their schedule and I got them to like 26 wins, but I, I would just go safely say, yes, I'm, I'm over at the 30. I would just say over just because of the Spurs, you know, teams are going to get into deal with like injuries and all these different situations. So I, I really feel like they could get to, to at least over 30. Now, um, as far as where they stack in the West, I, I do also see them, you know, outside of the playing game originally coming in. But based on, on again, it's one preseason game, so I don't want to put too much emphasis on it. But but if they can really show that they're a top ten level defense, and I think that there's there's a little bit of potential there with the team that they're bringing back, with losing a lot of their weaknesses, like with having Deron DeRozan and Patty Mills and those other players that that weren't as strong defensively, if they can get to becoming a top ten defense, I really feel like um, you know now we're talking you know maybe maybe playing games back or maybe even um, yeah, yeah playing game I would say is right now the safest answer uh, and, and and just wins you know that's going to be you know at, at worst maybe like a 30, 35 win team uh, if you can be like a top 10 defense so so I, again it kind of um matters on, on how how good can they be defensively because right now again it was one game but they have the, the pieces there to be a, a really good defense yeah they look like they could be super disruptive on the mm-hmm. defensive end is there a chance like let's say they're just better than expected to start the year i would never view them as buyers but like is there a chance that then you just don't move daddy it's like what if you're just so good and you are in the playing conversation let's say they're let's say they're eighth like heading mm-hmm. into the trade deadline. Do you just keep Thaddeus Young at that point? And be like, hey, like we're here already. We're not going to, how how quickly are we going to be able to bottom out without him? Because Coach Pop is still in charge of the team, Um, you know, coaching the team, he's, yes, they would keep Thaddeus Young <laughs> in that circumstance. Yeah, it, and that, that's the one thing about that. He said, it, it, you know, taking away from, from, from young, some of the younger players is that as soon as they start winning games and, and if he, and he's, and he's on the court, you know, impactful pop is not going to let him go. He's not going to let him just get traded just for, you know, pick down the road or something like that. He's going to want to keep him in, and staying as competitive as, as they can. So again, if they're in that ballpark of being within that playing game range, then yeah, I think that if, if Thaddeus Young was part of the rotation, they're not going to let him go. Is there a chance that they could go in the opposite direction beyond Thaddeus Young? Because if, if you take Thaddeus Young off this team, I still don't view it as anything close to one of the three worst teams in the NBA, three or even five. And if you are going to commit to the rebuild, you want to give yourself the best chance at like the highest lottery odds. At the same time, I don't think you look at this roster and say, aside from Thaddeus Young, well, you could look at moving this guy. But is there a chance that they would visit that end of the spectrum where they'd be willing to entertain offers on a Murray or a white in the middle, maybe a Lonnie Walker or a, or even a Doug McDermott, if they're really trying to go whole hog into this rebuild. 
No, I, I don't think they would, they would start, you know, moving those players unless you were getting somebody like, you know, like Ben Simmons, like we discussed right. earlier, just because it's, it's an all-star. If, unless you're getting an all-star player, then no, I don't think they would, even if they, even things went, went south for this team, I, all I, that's all I see what they, what they would do is like players like McDermott or, or just like, you know, some of the Murray, they would maybe start, start giving those minutes like Josh Primo to, um to younger players like Trey Jones, maybe get some Lucas Simonich, maybe get some. So again, if, if things went south, I could just see them, you know, basically like, like kind of uh, limiting the, 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 the core players minutes and kind of giving the young players some minutes. But, um you know, again, I, I don't I, unless it's like a it's like an all-star player that they're getting back that's a very impactful player I, I can't see them moving you know some of the some of these young core pieces like maria Derek white or a line walker those kind of players i don't mean to put you on the spot here but how do you mm-hmm. which two players do you think end up i think it's two players they need to get rid of before opening night which two yeah they have to get rid of by two players I, I would just say right now the safest answer is to say aminu and daddy sung just because they're the two veterans they don't really fit with this team but um, you know, if they can't find takers, well, then I then then from there, let's just say they both stay on the team past the 18th of, of October. Then I would say the next the next realm would be uh, the guys on on on, on shorter contracts, so maybe like a Kata Bates job. And I, I don't even know who the second player would be because you know Drew Eubanks played really well, and I don't think they want to move him from this team. Um, yeah, I mean to get rid of they just have so many players that I think you would want to keep mm-hmm. on the roster. So I would be shocked. Wow, I can't. De- you would definitely be floored if they negotiated a buyout with Thaddeus Young, right? If someone ends up getting Thaddeus Young for, for, for free, that doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean they lost to DeMar DeRozan. Like that, Thaddeus Young was like the second best player on the Bulls last year. Yeah, no, no, I, I can't I can't see a buyout with him. You know, they're gonna, they would try to keep him up until that February 10th trade deadline and try to get something for him. We, you know, I, I remember when he first got traded to San Antonio, they, you know, Zach Lowe on his podcast was kind of just entertaining the idea of getting back a first-round pick. And so I think that if you can get either a young player and, you know, a veteran just to make the salaries work or um, getting back, a, you know, maybe a first or, or at least some uh, two seconds, just like that down the road, then yeah, I think you have to hold on to them until February 10th. Is there, we covered a lot in a, an efficient amount of time for this, for this podcast specifically, I tend to be very verbose and long. Is there anything or anyone about this roster that I did not ask about that you think needs to be covered? No, I'm, I'm just honestly, like, I, I know it's one preseason game, but man, it's like, you just got to really wait and see, you know, what this ter- team turns into. Cause I am very, I'm very interested to see what they become because again, it was one preseason game. They looked really good. They won by 26 points, but that defense, just the, the communication, the, um, the, the, the moving around the, um, pop throwing weird traps already in a preseason game and just the, the high level of energy and the pace. It's interesting because this is something we haven't seen from a San Antonio team, me that I've been covering them for 10 years now. I've never seen this kind of, this kind of a team. And so just to see a bunch of young athletic wing players who want to use speed and, and just, you know, uh, just a lot of energy and high potential. Um, you know, I, I, I do want to see what, what they turn into, you know, maybe, maybe it is a bad year and they end up being a t- top 10 lottery team. Like they're supposed to be according to Vegas or who knows, maybe, maybe they surprise people and, you know, they end up becoming a top 10 defense and that carries them, even though they will have their offensive struggles and, into becoming you know one of those teams who's fighting for a playing seat do you think they'll be a top they were 13th outside of garbage time and points allowed per possession last year mm-hmm. do you think they'll be hot better than 13th this year the talent's there but then they're also so young it's like i don't, I don't know what to do with that yeah that, that's why that's why it's hard to say I, you know i, I want to say yes because again they, they lost some of their weaker defenders and DeRozan and patty mills and now they've, they've they've added some some better defenders like you know when you're just giving um not really adding defenders but just having more more, more players who are going to be uh, better about communicating and moving moving around the floor and just ha- having more high level communication i want to say yes that that, that potential is there but again we'll kind of have to wait and see right now I think we, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they're better than 19th in uh, turnovers forced because if they're going to run traps like that all year, and that's yeah. never been like, I know the Spurs have like great defensive teams, but when's the last time they ranked like super high in forcing opponent turnovers? They're all about like not fouling or being like super fundamental. Yeah. This feels like a team that's just going to, maybe they'll foul a ton, but it feels like they're going to force a crap ton of turnovers as well. 
Yeah, no, no, I, th- I think so. And, and again, like you kind of saw it in that, in that first preseason game where, you know, Pop's letting DeJounte Murray try to go in for those steals. Even last year, Devin Vassell was given that freedom to kind of anticipate and try to try to go for some, some, some um, you know, incoming passes, even if he misses assignments at times. And, you know, he was still able to get his minutes and, and, and log playing time. So I feel like, yes, they're going to take a lot more risk than, than a normal Spurs team would um, do. And so, so we'll see how that pays off. And then, of course, they still got Jakob Pertl back there at, at the five uh, near the paint to help, uh, um, you know, com- command the paint area. Who was statistically like one of the mm-hmm. most effective rim protectors, if not the most effective rim protectors in the league last year. Yeah, he had a really good season last year. And just so last year, the Spurs were 19th in opponent turnover percentage, and they were in the bottom five in the two previous years before that. So I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to blow that out of the water. Paul, this was great as always. Are you able to tell our listeners where they can follow you on social media and also where they can find your work? Sure. Um, you know, on Twitter, I, I, I usually um, I'm on Twitter a lot. So you can follow me at Paul Garcia NBA. I write for ProjectSpurs.com, AnalyzingTheLeague.com, and then uh, you can listen to me on the Spurs cast weekly. You do a lot. You do it extremely well. I, I appreciate these chats as, as always. You're always It's always fun to pick your brain uh, about the Spurs. And thank you so much for your time. And I think, as you know by now, in the future, I will be coming to call again. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to it.